welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 18. I am your host, Chris Fomarez. Thank you for joining me again as we try to maneuver through the rest of the month of April, probably into the month of May with no hockey. And it's it sucks, man. It's been it's been a while. I feel like March twelfth has been like four years ago, um, and it hasn't. It hasn't even been two months. It's been it's been kind of sad, but I mean, again, it, it is what it is at this point. Um, I hope all of you are being safe. I hope all of you are continuing to practice social distancing, regardless of what you believe well i mean not i guess not regardless like we all know that social distancing is important by now i think there's a lot of people who are just getting tired of it maybe they're looking at some numbers and they're saying well it's not you know cases are not going down and whatnot maybe we haven't gotten to flattening the curve as much as we want to but the measures in place let's not be mistaken they're 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 helping it's it's science right it's proven that it's it's doing what it needs to do, and I know everybody just wants to get back to their quote-unquote normal life, whatever that may be for you, and it's going to be tough. We don't know what normal is going to look like even when things start to open up. I know there's a lot of states in the United States that are looking at plans trying to open the economy, and again, whether you believe it's the right thing or not, I'm not going to argue with people about this. I've pretty much said this every podcast, right? This isn't about politics or what you believe in. We're not going to talk about that because that's individual to you and how you feel and what you think. But again, are states opening up too quick? We don't know. We're going to find out in the next couple of weeks um, how that goes, if it was the right call, if it was the wrong call. I think that for places that are opening up, there needs to be a plan and people got to continue to respect it. And I think the part that a lot of people are forgetting, and there have been all kinds of surveys and research and whatnot, and you can find those online, right? A lot of people are asked, well, they say, well, if you know businesses do open up, are you going to return? Are, are you going to go and do things? And there's a lot of people who say no. And I'm one of those people who, like, I, I, I won't return to the normal, the normalcy of what it was because... I do think that as much as I want to contribute and do things and help the economy and you know small businesses and whatnot, I'm not going to go back to a crowded bar immediately. I won't do that, right? I mean, I have to get a haircut, so I might do that, but I'm not going to go to the mall and do things, right? If I can buy it online, I'll, I'll do that. So there's a lot of businesses who are, and again, I was I was kind of intrigued at it. You look at the people who are protesting. So there's this one picture of this lady out the passenger window. I think it's in Denver, and there's you know a nurse. He's just standing there, and you see her yelling at him, you know, telling him that she wants to go back to work. And I think that article pointed out a little bit about who she was and what you know the people that are protesting. Some of these people are you know business owners. They own you know. Maybe they're massage therapists, maybe they're personal trainers, they own salons. Like people, those industries right there are kind of people who are really affected. The same thing with, I guess, flight attendants, uh, pilots, right? Like they can't, it's really hard. Those are places, those are industries in itself where you, like, how are they going to reinvent themselves, right? Like, think of a movie theater. Are, are you going to go to a movie theater and watch a movie? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't. Some of you might say, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it, right? But even if you open up, let's say, a movie theater, right, and you don't get enough people going, well, 
there's some people who are not going to return to work, right? They're going to continue to be laid off. The same thing with restaurants and stuff. Maybe more people say, well, you know what? I'll order out. So maybe you don't need as many waiters and waitresses, right? This is a, you can open up the economy as much as you want, but if people don't feel safe going to these places, then it makes very little to no difference. Like I said, for me, I probably, like I'm definitely not going to a restaurant, right? I'm not going to do that. I'll order out, but I'm not going to go sit in a crowded restaurant with people and breathing in the same air. And I mean, it doesn't, doesn't seem fair. And I think, you know, maybe younger people who feel immune to everything will say, well, I'm going to go do it, but I won't. Right. I mean, I think of people, let's say in, in Jacksonville where, you know, beaches are open up and you see that it's, it's crowded. Like I'm not one of those people. I just think it's a little bit irresponsible. I understand. Like I said, it's, it's tough for people who are locked up in their homes. They may not be getting a paycheck. And I mentioned it to a couple of coworkers. I said, you know, it's a, it's a different reality for a lot of us, depending on your financial situation, right? So if you take Canadians, for example, I mean, there's a good majority of people who are laid off who are getting, you know, a $2,000 a month check from the government and they still have health care and, you know, none of that's been changed. Whereas if you're an American, right, you may be getting a $1,200 one-time check that pays literally for nothing. And maybe you your state doesn't have, you know, welfare or something. Maybe your state doesn't have unemployment. Maybe you cannot claim the benefits. Maybe you're literally living in a home where you can't make your mortgage payment and you know you're not going to get any money so it's a it, it's a tough situation and i think some people at this point are just saying well you know what like i could lose everything because i can't work just open it up let us work and we'll take that risk and it's kind of i mean it's kind of it's kind of sad right if you think about it people are willing to risk their lives you know possibly die so that they can get some type of help or just make some money so they can continue on living their life and it's a tough choice to make i guess people are weighing the risk and the reward they're saying well you know if the mortality rate is what it is about one percent or whatever it is now they're gonna say well i'll take the risk you know i'll see if i make it out maybe i get sick maybe i infect my whole family maybe because i've passed it on to somebody else i don't even know maybe they die from it but that's the risk i'm willing to take and it in my view it's selfish but I understand why, you know, they're being backed into a corner. What would you do if you were in that situation? What if you, let's say, are collecting $2,000 from the Canadian government and he, and you know, they weren't giving it to you? What if you couldn't get it? You know, what would you do? You'd probably want to return to work as quick as possible and take the risk. You know, there are lots of people who are going to return to their jobs once they open. And again, I understand a little bit about where they're coming from. You know, maybe I don't get the, the part where they're as desperate as other people are. Cause like I said, I mean, for me, I work <laughs> that hasn't changed. So, you know, I'm considered an essential employee. I know some other people are as well. And I know people as well personally who are not, and they're collecting money from the government and it's, you know, it's helping. It's some things for some people. They say, well, you know, it's a little bit less than what I was making per month anyway. So maybe the impact is not as big or some people, maybe it's, you know, it's half of whatever they're making, but they'll, you know, find a way to be able to reduce their spending and make sure that they can, you know, at least cover the basics. So the reality between Canada and the United States is totally different. And that's kind of why I think there's a lot, there's a lot of resistance in the United States and there's a lot of 
pushback to governments who just, you know, people are kind of telling them we just want to get back to work. They're they're in a tough situation. That's all they can do. And I, I know there's a lot of them that probably don't believe what they're thinking or they've just held on to this one fact of something where they're saying, well, look, maybe the mortality rate is, you know, maybe they believe that, you know, COVID-19 is less deadly than the flu and we live, you know, with the flu every day and, you know, the world doesn't shut down. But I mean, as we all know, that's, you know, the, the flu and COVID-19 is not the same, right? It's, it's just not the same. And again, I'm not going to go on explaining that. If you believe it's the same, that's your opinion and you'll, you know, I'm, I'm not going to change it. Right. So, I mean, to those people who are just trying to get back to work, I understand it, but I'm not on that same boat. And if the government does open up, you know, I was talking to people who have kids, you know, they don't feel safe with sending their kids back to school and I don't blame them. Right. I mean, it's a tough situation for them to want to live with. And when you look at it as well, you know, the United States has, I think they're coming up on a million confirmed cases, right? That's a lot of cases. That's a lot of people getting sick, right? I mean, New York's kind of slowly getting it under control and it's been, I mean, it's been terrible in New York, right? So that's kind of, that's kind of where I am at, at this point. So if everything were to open up, I'd probably get a haircut. And that's, that's really much, that's really all I need. Everything else I can continue to do from a distance, Maybe that's, I mean, I've, I've been doing things online anyways for a long period of time. I mean, I order stuff from Amazon and I, you know, if I can order it online instead of going to a store, I'll probably do that. I'll go to a store if let's say the shipping's too long or if I want it right away. But most of the time, if I can order something online, I'll probably do it. So to me, it won't change much, but I understand for other people it might. But I mean, we've gotten this far, right? It would be a shame if all these you know, states and provinces opened up and then we just, you know, cases start to go up again, more and more people start to get sick and we just don't control it. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of, you know, people trying to get back to normal too quickly. And then all this work that we've done (laughs) has been for nothing because it hasn't worked. And now we have to, you know, we start a new curve going up and we don't flatten it and we never get to the point where, it drops. Most people want to see the other side of the bell curve, right? You want to see the cases go down. And I I do too, not just because I want hockey to return, but I want, you know, a somewhat normal life, I guess. But that's how I feel. I hope everybody, again, is being safe. And, you know, let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Um, before we get into the main topic tonight, um, which is looking at, right, the NHL has some plans about how they're going to return, when they're going to return, and how they're going to put out that that plan. Um, That's what we're going to focus on today. I just want to give a shout out to Andre Markov. He announced his retirement um, at the age of 41. Tremendous, tremendous defenseman. Um, It really sucks that he was unable to play a thousand games in the NHL. He played 990. He was short by 10 games. And you know, injuries played a part in his career. He played 16 seasons with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he was one of the, I mean, I remember Andre Markov playing in a Habs uniform for like ever, <laughs> just forever. And he was like, he was quiet, obviously, if people who remember him playing, right, didn't say much, but he was one of those players that just made everybody around you better. The, the Montreal Canadiens had a good power play for a number of years because Andre Markov was on it, right? I mean, whether it was him feeding passes to Sheldon Sore, 
you know, clapping bombs or whether it was him at the end of his career doing the same thing to Shea Weber and all the players in between. I mean, I remember vintage Markov being, you know, he's on the left side of the power play and then you just see him sneak down towards the goal, that cross ice pass coming from the far circle and boom, he puts it in the net. And Markov was that player who, I mean, he was he was good. And I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, should he be in the, well, maybe not in the Hall of Fame, but I mean, should they, should Montreal retire his number? And I'm of, I'm of the people who believe that they should. I know the understanding is that, you know, he's, he's a really good defenseman, but, it, and as well, some people will say, well, he doesn't have the numbers of some of the other players who are retired, but I mean, the Montreal Canes have a heck of a group of retired players, right? Like, Markov did some great things. He is second in points. I think if so, Larry Robinson leads all defensemen in, for the Montreal Canadiens in points. If I'm not mistaken, I just want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, so he's tied with uh, Gila Point for the second most points amongst Canadians defensemen. Gila Point's a Hall of Famer. Larry Robinson is as well, right? So his his 505, no, sorry, 572 points is second and and he played a mass amount of games i think he's played the most games of any defense montreal canadians defenseman in history so he has some high numbers for the montreal canadians i believe that they should despite i know putting his name up there with some of the legends just doesn't look right but i also believe players like you know saku koivu should have you know should be retired by the montreal canadians i believe players like vincent danfus as well should be so I mean, it, it's a tough bar to set when you look at some of those names that are already retired. But in any other franchise, it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be a question. He'd probably have his number retired, and you know, it's what he did. Like I said, for the rest of his teammates, that made them so good. And the the case I remember is always um, Mike Komisarek. So before he signed that big deal in Toronto, I mean, Mike Komisarek was good, but I think everybody in Montreal knew that he was good because he was playing with Andre Markov, and Andre Markov made him a lot better than he was. And then he went to Toronto. We know what happened there. Just never, like it never worked out. And, you know, that's the type of, that's the type of player that Markov was. He could play the power play. He could play some big minutes. And I mean, a lot of people thought maybe his career was going to go downhill. He suffered two injuries, 09 and 010. If I remember the one in 09, I think it was the first game of the season. Or I think, or maybe it was, oh, or maybe it was, maybe it was 2010. I know he hurt himself early, um, right? He had back-to-back knee surgeries, I believe. He played like 20 games total, and, right? He played seven in 2010, 2011, 2011, 2012. He played 13. So we played 20 games in two years, right? Which is not much. And a lot of people at that point were questioning, well, you know, is he still healthy? Will he be able to return? Will he be able to be effective? And then he ended up playing in 2013, 14, 81 games. Same thing in 14, 15, 82 games in 15, 16. So he came back. He was just as good, if not, well, I mean, he wasn't better, but point-wise. But he did everything that he needed to do. He was a quiet player, obviously. And I, I believed very strongly that, you know, when it came time to pick captains, specifically when it came time to pick you know, Brian Gionta just showed up. I know before Max Pacioretty, there's a lot of talk about Markov, but everybody was like, well, he's so, he's so quiet. How's he going to deal with the media and everything? And obviously being, you know, a player in Montreal, you know, he doesn't speak French either. Um, but I think the Montreal Canadiens have moved a little bit past the, 
you know, Captain being able to speak French, kind of, you know, Gianta didn't really speak French. Pacioretty didn't either. Weber doesn't either. So I think, you know, that circle has gone away a little bit. But uh, he was the assistant captain of that team for, I mean, ages now. But shout out to him. Like I said, he, you know, he would probably tell you that he wished he could have played a thousand games. There was a lot of talk about him wanting to return after the 2017-18 season to return to the Montreal Canadiens and, you know, help them out. Never happened. I know when he left as well. I mean, I don't agree with Bergevin on what he wanted to do. I know Markov was probably looking for a two-year deal, if I remember at that point. Montreal wasn't willing to give it to him. They kind of moved on from him. I think, if I remember correctly, that year, Bergevin ended up signing like Mark Streit. He played like not even half a season, retired. And I just felt like like he, he tried to patch up Markov with all these players. And you look at the Montreal Kings power play since, and it's just... It's not the same. The movement's all about, you know, getting Weber the puck and just letting him clap it. But I really wish they would have brought him down. And I wish, like, I really wish that he would be able to hit a 1,000 games because if anybody, if, if any player deserves it, it was him. He played 16 seasons. He was effective. He was good at what he did. And, I mean, he's a have for life, right? Not many players can say they played their entire career with one team. And, you know, Markov can say that he did. So congratulations to him and whatever is next in his post-hockey life. But, I mean, like I said, he was an excellent defenseman. And just shout out to him. So, yeah. Uh, Let's look at now the NHL and a couple of stories that are going around. So John Scott tweeted that the NHL is looking at opening camps, I think it was June 1st. Uh, let me check. But, I mean, if it's coming from John Scott's Twitter, I'm going to be okay with it. Uh, yeah, so his tweet was, depending on whenever you listen to his podcast, uh, today it's a Sunday. He tweeted it on a Saturday. Just got word that the NHL, that, uh, NHL camps will begin again June 1st. European players are coming back soon. Um, that's pretty good. So the NHL looks to have a plan. The NHL hasn't commented on it, said if it was true or not. But, like I said, John Scott's tweeting it. You know, he's pretty close to the NHL. I'll take his word. Um, opening camps is an important part. There's been a lot of talk about the NHL wanting to do a three-week camp. I think that's probably likely. Players need to ramp up, get back in shape and whatnot. Is three weeks too long? I'd probably put two, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um I'm starting to feel like I, I know in a couple of podcasts before I t- talked about, you know, I felt like the NHL season is going to get canceled and it looks more and more now that the NHL is trying to work as hard as possible to finish this season and award a Stanley cup. Now, obviously there's a lot of things that are in tough. Well, there's a lot of things that need to be figured out before this happens. Um, but the genuine idea that I get is that the NHLPA wants this to to work the nhl wants this to work you know the players want to return playing hockey obviously the nhl wants to make sure obviously their sponsorships and whatnot they want to get their league coming back as well i think i was reading somewhere the nba is looking at a may 1st opening up um, letting teams come back and practice and this all has to do i guess with where states are going to start opening up so as they ease restrictions right i guess in these states you know, teams are going to allow or the NHL will allow teams to open their practice facilities and get players going and whatnot. And that's important. Again, 
whether you believe that they should or not, I'm going to go with whatever the NHL wants to do at this point. I think they know best. It's going to be hard to make sure that all these players stay safe. I think that's the number one thing that they need to worry about. Um, the idea has been floated around that they want to kind of focus on a couple of cities. So at first, a lot of people were talking about, you know, maybe they just hold it in one city. But I think that's too hard for one city to just absorb every team. Right, you're talking about teams, you're talking about training staffs, you're talking about I guess I guess there would be media there. I don't know how that would work, but I mean they gotta be able to have the facility the facilities in place. And so earlier stor- stories were talking about maybe looking at a neutral site, right? Like North Dakota and whatnot. And then Gary Bettman obviously shut it down. And I think his 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 reasoning was good, right? And the theory behind not being able to play in neutral sites, if you're playing in a neutral site, it's obviously not an NHL city. Well, the facilities are not there, right? Especially in North Dakota or wherever you want to play. You know, think about all the stuff that goes on behind the medical staff and all those, right? Just having enough locker rooms and stuff. If you're playing in small NHL, not even NHL rinks, you know, these cities don't have it. Playing at college hockey arenas is not, like, it's not good enough, right? TV cameras are not set up. You, you, you'd have to get all that going. So it makes sense for the NHL to want to return to NHL cities. Now, they're going to return to NHL cities that obviously the restrictions have been lifted. So you're looking at places. I, I know I've read a couple of articles that have talked about a couple of cities. There was one. I can't find it. I think it was Frank Cervalli at TSN who wrote about it. Um, I could be wrong, though. But I, I did see it somewhere at TSN. They were talking about cities that could host it. Edmonton was being talked about as one of them. I think Pittsburgh was in there as well. Um, Dallas was in there as well. Toronto was being talked about it. Um, and basically what they're doing is they're looking at the number of, you know, COVID cases that are there, active ones, and if they're going down and whatnot. I know Pennsylvania has a high amount, but where the Penguins play hockey, it's been relatively low. And a lot of this talk as well as making sure that you have the not only that you have the facility to play in, right, the NHL rink, but you have stuff around it. So if you think of if I right, if I, I was reading this article in Dallas, there's enough stuff around the NHL rink, hotels and whatnot to make sure that players can, you know, be housed. Same thing um, in Edmonton, right? Toronto also makes sense. I think it's hard, though, for the province of Ontario. Just Toronto's been, I guess, a hot spot a little bit. Montreal has been up there. They've already been ruled out. That makes sense, obviously. But obviously, Toronto has, right, Scotiabank Arena, right, where the Marlies play as well. That could be a nice setup as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff around there, hotels and whatnot, that they could get everything done. Uh, Minnesota was being talked about in the United States. Raleigh as well. I know the Florida Panthers uh, GM, or I think their owner, had mentioned that they would be willing to, you know, open their facilities so that they could host it as well. The idea is you would probably need about four locker rooms. Um, so you could play multiple games per day. I think the NHL is looking at about playing three games per day, which makes sense. I don't know how hockey would survive, though, or how the ice, excuse me, would survive in places like Arizona or Florida, right? You're talking about really hot climate in July, and you got to make, you know, you have to play hockey games there. Like, what's the quality of the ice going to be? Who knows? But at this point, I don't think the NHL is massively worried about that I, th- I think they just want to find a plan i do believe maybe four or five nhl rinks does make sense um i do think 
Edmonton would be a good fit. I do think Raleigh would be a good fit as well. I do think Dallas would be a good fit. I know that, or at least in my sense, I was believing that if you do have four cities that you want to host it, my my, my first thought, and I guess until someone corrects me, I'll continue to believe this, but if you have these places spread out right like you still got travel that needs to happen because or maybe the nhl rearranges the end of their schedule and says well look we're only going to play games that are you know inside the inside the division so you could host you know each division in one of those cities because it wouldn't make sense to start getting all these teams to travel like if you're in raleigh let's say and then you know you have to play a team afterwards that's in minnesota like do you want to start putting them on a plane, getting all there? Like, I feel like that's an added danger for no reason. So I do think at some point, maybe the NHL will just rearrange their schedule. I don't know how fair that is, but at this point, they're just trying to get it figured out. And the NHL does want to finish this season, not just for sponsorship or whatnot, but as well, a lot of talk about maybe hosting the draft before the NHL season finishes. And I just don't see how that would make any sense whatsoever. Because if you're, let's say, a GM who traded... Right at the trade deadline, you traded a conditional pick based on how far you went into the playoffs, right? Well, if you hold the draft before that ever happens, like how does the condition on that pick work? Right? Like that's like that to me. I was like, well, you can't move the pick to next season because maybe that team doesn't have a pick next season. Or if you already deferred a pick, like it just doesn't make sense how you could hold a draft before, right? That would be like saying hold free agency before. Like you can't do that. The season has to end, right? Not to mention you would need the season to end. You would need to have a draft and then you would need to have free agency. I do believe that next season will be delayed. How far delayed? I mean, we'll figure that out at that point. I do think the NHL wants to resume its regular season. Do they play all the way up until 82 games? I don't know. Do they play maybe six or seven games left? Who knows? But I do think that next season is going to be delayed. I guess they could start in November. They could probably start in December, condense the schedule again, and just play it out, skip the All-Star game or whatnot. But there's a lot of things that need to be figured out. But I do think that the idea of these, what they're called, hub cities is the best case scenario. Um, Brendan Shanahan talked about it. I don't know. I don't remember where I watched that. I think it was Sportsnet. Um, he talked about this being the the best idea of it. It's it's the one that makes the most sense. And he had mentioned it about bringing each division to that hub city, which is what I was thinking already. But will that happen? Who knows? But something something needs to be in order where you can make sure that this is safe. You would probably have to as well. European players have to come back, right? So I don't know how many Europeans are in Europe. You'd have to test them, obviously, um, right? Do you want to start giving out tests to NHL players? I mean, it is what it is at this point, I guess. Um, so that would be that. But... <laughs> I, I want it to work. Let's let's not be wrong. I, as much as I think maybe that this, you know, the NHL season gets doesn't happen, there's a part of me, like I said, that believes that it does just because states are opening up. And, you know, like the NBA said, the NHL is going to follow whatever the, you know, state guidelines are. And as states continue to open up and ease restrictions, then players can get back to it and the NHL can get back to their normal routine. 
But you do need to make sure that all 31 teams are safe. You need to make sure that their players are safe. You need to make sure the referees are safe and whatnot. There's a lot of moving parts here, right? And you got to, right? Obviously, you have to hold it in states and provinces that have eased restrictions where you can open hotels and whatnot and make sure that these players are, you know, housed there and that they can, you know, be somewhere. And it's tough. I mean, you're going to have to play multiple games on an ice. And, I mean, most teams, most players are used to playing hockey at, you know, 7 p.m. local time or maybe 6 or whatnot. Now you're going to, you know, how early is your first game? You know, is your first game going to be at 12 or 1 o'clock Eastern? Then another one at 4? Then another one at 7? I mean, it's possible, right? You can fit in a whole bunch of those games and what's the quality of the ice going to look like if you're playing three games on it every single day in the middle of july heat in some places you can't just i mean like i said that's one part where you have to make sure that the ice is in good condition but i don't think that's what the nhl is worried about now i think they're trying to make sure that this hub city plan works i think there's a possibility for it to work i think this goes hand in hand with whatever the states are working on whether they believe that they can get this done is another part but it's going to move forward and i mean i would be the happiest person of all if the nhl does confirm that you know as of june they're going to open training camps by july 1st you start playing hockey hopefully you can finish the season at you know by the end of august right hand out stanley cup as well um and then maybe september you have your draft free agency as well and then maybe you get your season going on november 1st or december 1st and then you play a shortened season again maybe did you know does the nhl want to play 82 games next season probably but at that point you know what is the nhl pa going to say you basically have no off season right let's not also put players in danger as well you're going to be you know the nhl is a you know the creme de la creme of the league do you want your players playing intense hockey 12 months out of the year like that's i don't know how that's going to work as well if the players association is going to get on board with that if players are going to get on board with it but i think there's there's a genuine interest in wanting to make this work from both parties and i mean again it is It is what it is, but I hope that we can return to some hockey. Selfishly, I want that because I just, I miss hockey, man. Just like all other people miss whatever they, their regular routine was. You know, I like to come home and, you know, I would set up, have dinner and watch the 7 p.m. game. And then I'd probably watch the 10 p.m. game when I was finishing later. Right, nine nine thirty. I used to come home, watch the late game, whatever San Jose game was on, or LA Kings game. I've watched a lot of West Coast games because I used to, you know, finish late and then come home, and that's the game I would watch. But I mean, it's been tough not having any sports. Like I watched the NFL draft just because I wanted to watch something. Which, by the way, the NHL is looking <laughs> segue here. Right, there's are things that the NHL could learn from about how to host a draft virtually at that point. The NFL did a pretty good job of it. I'll give them some credit. Um, I think the NHL could learn something from that. I think they can do the same thing. Is it ideal? No, but it gets the job done. So they can go with that. And yeah, 
that's that's how I see this. That's how I see all this going down. Um, there's some good ideas. Obviously, we're going to find out more over the next couple of weeks as to you know which cities are going to be picked. I know the criteria has always been, or at least the criteria has been talked around making sure, again, are the cases down I, and whatnot, but it's if I had to pick four cities, definitely I would go with I would go with Edmonton and Toronto. I think you have to have you could pick both or you could pick either or. I do think both those cities have the accommodations necessary to have everybody there, right? Which is important. Um, I do think maybe, you know, if you want to pick Calgary instead of Edmonton or vice versa, I just think Edmonton's maybe a better fit. Um, from what I've been reading as well, same thing with Dallas. I think that's a pretty fair fit as well. You can't you can't have it in California, right? I don't think Vegas as well would be a good spot. I mean, Vegas could be a good spot, right? I just don't know how how the how the situation looks there. I haven't been following, you know, whether it's a hotbed for the coronavirus or not. But I mean, Vegas has no shortage of hotels. The only problem is they only have one NHL rink. Um, I don't know if they have multiple dressing rooms or not. But I mean, they have the rink there that's set. Yeah, that could be a good spot. Now that I, now that I'm sitting here thinking of it, going, yeah, Vegas is not bad. I mean, there's no shortage of hotels, but. Anyways, um, I'll, I'll pick four. Okay. So I would go with Toronto. I would go with Edmonton. I would go with Dallas. And I would probably go with Raleigh. Makes the most sense. So you have two in the Eastern Conference, two in the Western Conference. I feel like that's fine. I feel like that's fair. And in my mind, you want one one Western Conference team in Canada, one Western Conference team in the United States. Makes sense, right? I feel that would be fair. If you have an idea... Right, you're listening right now. You said, "No, no, no, Chris, that's not it. You're wrong." Which I could be, by the way. If there are, if you think there's a city that's better, just let me know. Tweet at Slapshot Podcast. Tell me what four cities you would be, you would pick if if you had to pick a hub city like this. Which four cities? If you can't explain why, explain why. But if not, just pick four. Tell me which four you like, and I'll tell you if you're wrong or not. Maybe you're right. And if you explain it even better, tell me why you picked that city. That'd be pretty cool, right? So yeah, do that if you want. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Please do that. Don't forget to subscribe. Rate the podcast on your favorite platform. Do that. Tell me how much you love it. Tell me how much you hate it. Slide into the DM if you want to talk about something. If you have a question, maybe you have a question. Maybe I'll do a mailbag soon. If you want to, ha- if you have a question, you want me to answer it, slide into the DM. Tell me what your question is. I'll answer it on the podcast. It'll give me something to talk about too. <laughs> give me something to think about. I really stuck onto this hub city because at first I was like, ah, oh, man, it doesn't make sense. And I was reading it. I was like, oh, okay, I'll buy into it. So yeah, do that. As always, thank you to everybody who listens, everybody who subscribes, everybody who tells me how much they love it. People who tell me they don't listen to it, thank you as well. I don't mind. It's fine. There's some people who said that they don't care about hockey. It's okay. I do, though. So, I mean, you're wrong if you don't like hockey, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. Um, I'll try to do another one next week. It's just life has been different right now, but I enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy, you know, the people who listen as well. A lot of people tell me that they listen to it, they enjoy it, helps them get through their day. And that's all we can really do right now is try to get through our days and make sure that we stay safe, 
social distance. Wash your hands, as always, right? And uh, we will talk again soon. Thank you, as always. Bye-bye.